Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and really I'm just here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That certainly means helping you improve your photographic skills and enabling you to become a stronger business owner, but it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We are sponsored by PhotographersEdit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back for another Boca Podcast episode. Brand new guest today with me, Alicia Crossley. Alicia, thank you for making time for all of us. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I am so appreciative. It is so nice to get to experience community in the middle of all this craziness. So thank you for being such an amazing host and continuing serving our community in this way. I, I feel you on the connection piece. It, it's it's funny. There are certain times where I'll go for a little bit longer period of time without recording a podcast. And my existence otherwise is very much kind of on my own in my apartment doing work on my laptop, occasionally meeting virtually or you know, even just via Slack with with my team. Um, it's nice to actually get on even a Zoom call and have a conversation with another human being amidst all this COVID craziness. So, right, uh, I know. I think it's just been, um, you know, the the silver lining in this whole pandemic is at least, right? At least we have Zoom. <laughs> Thank goodness that yeah. technology is what it is in 2020. As someone who's incredibly extroverted and you know relationally based, and I think from listening to you and you know having met you at different conferences, it's the same. I, I need people. Like I need conversation. I need to connect. And so at least we have these methods to be able to do that. So, um, and this, I'll just say too, Nathan, the, the podcast that you have, there's, there's so much great information, but it really is one thing that I loved about it. And why I was so honored to be a guest is it truly has a sense of community and truly what you've built is more than just tips and marketing strategies. So I think more than ever, that's, that's really serving our industry this year. So thank you again for doing that because um, as a, as a new baby podcast maker, um, (laughs) (laughs) as I've started dipping my toe into having the podcast, it's not easy and it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of intention. And uh, we were just talking before we started. I, I hear that, and you know, with everything that you ask and with the way you have this set up. So I'm, I am learning how to podcast better by being on your podcast. And so <laughs> that, that's just another, another thing I'm learning from you. And so, uh, but really we, we were so fortunate to have you in our industry and to, and to have you being a glue that connects uh, so much community together. That's well, that's very generous, but it's also extremely meaningful. And, and I appreciate that, that my, I guess, kind of selfishly, one of my initial goals with this podcast and, and really has continued to be is connection with the industry. Uh, and there were, there was a segment of my career as a photographer where there was a lot of connection, whether it was at conferences or via forums, this is previous to Facebook groups. Right. <laughs> um, and, and I, I kind of lost that a good bit of that, uh, when I went through some things personally, so yeah. the podcast was a way to kind of come back and reconnect with the industry. And, and it's been a wonderful opportunity to do that. But, you know, you actually bring something up, which I think is going to be a really wonderful segue into our later conversation. For everybody listening in, we're actually delving into a brand new topic today, um, at least as a primary topic, and, and that is codependency. We've, we've at least touched on this in the past, uh, but it's never really been a primary topic. And I wonder, Alicia, and, and we'll kind of leave this hanging for now and kind of and come back to it later. But I wonder, you know, even even in our 
struggles or desire ultimately for connection amidst COVID, where we're not getting the chance to connect with people in person as readily. I wonder where the balance is between that that idea of codependence and, and the, the so-called need that we have. Yeah. Uh, and where the, I guess maybe re- where the line is between that and our insecurities or our own personal struggle struggles with this notion of codependency. I feel like this just became like a, a philosophy class, Nathan. <laughs> like that's deep. That's very deep. And it's, it's very true though. And it's one thing that, you know, you and I've planned for today to talk about, especially as creatives, as artists, um, we have a tendency to rely very heavily on feedback, on positive affirmation. Um, and we truly enjoy serving our clients. If you don't, you shouldn't be in the service industry, right? So if you, if that's not, if that's not something you identify with, you probably shouldn't be in the service industry, but there's definitely a line. And that's what we're going to talk about today, where that can get blurred, how to really check your intentions and make sure you're you're going after um, everything, every interaction uh, as someone who you're adding to yourself just to get stronger, just to be more of you rather than it identifying you. Mm. And that's the difference that, you know, a lot of the material today we're going to talk about. It's it's all about where those intentions are and being very present with why we're making the decisions we are uh, in our business when it comes to serving clients and our interactions with other photographers. Yeah, we're going to touch on both. And and I'm honestly, I'm going to kind of geek out because this is a topic that, first of all, is, is very personal for me. It's something that I continue to work through uh, finding that so-called balance. Um, but I think Sorry. it's highly relevant to the photography industry because I see the the so-called symptoms of codependency in our industry readily. And actually, not just specific to our industry, just 2020 culture, at least in sure. the U.S., it seems rampant. And um, so we're going to get to that here in just a little bit. But before we do, I want to start off with some of the questions I, I normally ask our guests here on the podcast. The first one having to do with brand position. And for anybody listening in yeah. who's maybe newer to the podcast and you're not familiar with this concept, a brand position very simply is the value proposition that your business offers to your market. And hopefully it's a unique value proposition. Alicia, I'm curious when it comes to your photography business, what is that value proposition? What is your brand position? Absolutely. So we've been doing this full time for 11 years. And, you know, I think I started off with the same brand position, but I've learned more about what it meant over these years. It really hasn't changed. We are very, and this is great for codependency, very, (laughs) very service-based. We practice service-based marketing. Um, Everything we do uh, is we rely heavily on client feedback, client pain points, um, what we're seeing, how they're responding. Our marketing budget goes into taking care of our clientele. Mm. And what I like to say, we have, of course, ideal clients, and then we have ideal client influencers. And uh, that's something I don't think is talked about enough, the influencers and how important it is to focus in on those people as well. And so for us, we're not just looking at serving our clientele within our brand and making sure that we're wholeheartedly crafting a unique experience. We're also focusing in on those that outlying circle, whether that's the mother of the bride, the planner, the venue owner, the people who have direct access to our ideal clients really before we do, um, and usually are part of the experience. And so we're very experience oriented. Our our tagline, if you will, is we we aim to have the the picture should be just as beautiful as the experience. Um, and you know, I I don't think beautiful imagery in and of itself is honestly it's not that exclusive these days. Right. And 
experience. It's a, it's a, a true heart for people. So from a brand position, everything that we do, everything that we decide comes down to best business practices and serving clients well. I noticed on the homepage of your site, and for everybody listening, if you want context to the conversation, you can go to Alicia Crossley, C-R-O-S-S-L-E-Y, photography.com. Um, the homepage of your website, it says, meet Alicia and Patrick. And right underneath that, um, what I would just personally, what I would kind of naturally frame as, or uh, yeah, frame as the brand position, fine art wedding photographers capturing love stories while writing our very own. That seems pretty straightforward, pretty clear. Um, it's yeah. in smaller text, so it's not going to front and center, but how does that align with what you were just talking about? Absolutely. So I think, um, well, I was as a as a college as, as a college student, I was an overachiever, and I got two useless degrees, one in English and one in art. And so I love the concept of storytelling in general. And for me, the camera is just another medium. So when I think about serving our clients and serving them well, it is about making our business not a cookie cutter approach. There's nothing about any experience with any couple that is just copy and paste. And it's the same thing with our journey and with our marriage and with the things that we struggle with uh, and why I started the podcast, right? There's so many things that from a character standpoint with our couples, with their day, with their design. And so writing that love story, you can't just show up on the day of and have the pieces to authentically tell it to really know their relationship, to really know what's important to them. So we spent a lot of time getting to know our families, getting to know our couples and pouring into that dynamic so we can tell that story visually and honestly. And speaking of that customer experience, uh, will you share what you feel like is the most impactful idea behind providing a good customer service for your experience or excuse me, good customer service experience for your clients. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, what is, like what comes to mind? What stands out to you? I think what probably comes to mind with most people listening, and I would say I was in the same place, you know, seven or eight years ago with client experience, we immediately think about gifting. We think about the extra things we can send to them or extra services. And while that's part of it, that's the obvious part. And it's also the part that has the least significance in my experience, in my opinion, with carrying the weight and recommendation of your clients. For us, we focus heavily um, on the negative. And that sounds really horrible, but let me explain that. Sure. We focus in on the pain points of our experience. We And for us, the way we do that, and this is how I teach our coaching students, if you're not sure what the pain points are in your client experience, look at where you're getting the most questions. Yeah. What you know, in your inbox, what are you repetitively seeing that is unclear or people are confused about or unhappy about? So for me, the most impactful part of having a beautiful client experience is really anticipating those questions, anticipating uh, the issues that could arise from the way we've structured designing an album with our clients or, you know, how we go about getting these details to tell that story. Um, and the more that you can ahead of time, help them have that clear journey into their wedding day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it establishes your, your ability as the professional to lead them, right? They're going to trust you with so much more. So I think the client experience for, you know, anyone, and this is another great point. It doesn't matter what price point you're at right now. You can do that at any point. It's not about luxurious gifts. It's not about overspending. It's all about attention to detail and being mindful of what your clients are experiencing. 
Yeah. And, and I mean, to your earlier point, focusing on the pain points, digging into those, being developing awareness of those enables you to refine the experience. That's something that we've spent a lot of time on at, at Photographers. That, in fact, it's something we do on an ongoing basis. And it's even one of those things that you probably hear from other companies, whether it's in our industry or elsewhere, you know, that we listen to our customers and we make changes based on, and, and it sounds cliche and I'm not sure that companies always follow through on that. It's something that we put a lot of priority on at photographers edit, my editing company. I love that you're highlighting that same idea. And there is, you know, something to be said for that proactive effort, especially in the day and age where, word of mouth marketing is as strong, if not stronger than ever Exactly. Uh, when it comes to building our business. For us to be, you know, of course, being on the podcast, Nathan, I, I love getting to listen to you, but we are really intentional with the brands that we align with, um, even as a podcast guest, right? And so I've definitely, you know, you can see that come through with, uh, with your company as well. And that's something that I admire and, you know, the kind of companies we want to, we want to align ourselves with. I think that brand message is really important. And if we're going to stand behind it, we want to stand with and behind companies that believe that as well. I think, too, you know, we're, when we talk about that client experience and, um, again, the immediate thing is, you know, the the shiny gifts, the, the curated welcome boxes. And I don't think that that's a falsehood. We, we love gifting. And that's my love language. I love doing I love doing gifts, but it's all about intention. We don't have a copy and paste gift for each client. We get to know them um, and really think about the little things that would mean something to them. And that's what, you know, looking at the overall at the at the end point, what what they're going to remember is you taking out time to make them feel special, not an overly expensive gift, not, you know, being able to come up with something that was just uh, from a luxury standpoint, you know, a, a checkpoint, but that they felt cared about in a unique way. Right. And so, um, and really client experience doesn't matter until it matters. Uh, you know, you can go through an entire wedding with someone an engagement season and it just be this beautiful opportunity. You know, you job with them. They're the, the kind of client that you would be best friends with outside of the wedding. And that's great. But really where client experience matters is when you drop the ball. So what we've learned, and that's why I said we focus on the negative, I I used to teach middle school English and my vice principal would say, um, you focus, you major in the minor, so you don't have to major in the major. Mm -hmm. And that's that's really how we approach serving and creating this beautiful client experience is majoring in the minor. So that way, every little thing is just as important as every big thing. And it's going to progress that way if that's how you're treating it. Yeah, we have to be consistent, even with the small things, because that that does pay off. I've been uh, I've been learning the significance of consistency with the basic things, with the sm- so called small things, um, more recently in my life. I'd say in the last year, even the last six months or so, just realizing more the significance of that concept in my personal life. Um, that it's not about these big moves necessarily. It's it, a lot of life. Doing life well comes down to doing the smaller things, the basic things, consistently. And Such a beautiful point. It's so through. true. Yeah. Well, let me keep going because I know we have so much to talk about. Uh, I know. I know. I'll try not to. I'm a, I'm a, so we have three small kids at home. So yeah. anytime I get to talk to an adult, especially during this <laughs> pandemic, I am so excited. I'm like a golden retriever. Just so thrilled. Also, that's a great symbol for uh, codependency, this little golden retriever inside of me. So that's maybe a good segue into that. Okay. Well, we'll get to that here in just a second. Talk to me about time, though. I mean, as... Somebody who has family and then a business as well, is there a particular 
thought, an idea, a concept that has enabled you to manage time effectively so that you don't get burnt out on work, that you still have time for your family and ultimately just to have a bit of a life outside of the computer? Yeah. So I think one thing, it's just the mindset around time. I used to really rely heavily on the concept of work-life balance. And I think even though it's somatics, I don't like the word balance. I have work-life harmony. And, you know, to me, balance, it's a visual representation of 50-50. On this side, you've got family. On this side, you have work. And one reason that probably for several of us that I chose the entrepreneur lifestyle is I like to have that flexibility to decide when I'm going to do what. So it's not always, you know, a week where I'm 50% involved with getting to spend time with my little ones and making homemade dinners and then the other 50% doing work. There are some weeks I'm 100% mom and that's it. And I'm, you know, getting to read personal books I want to read. And, and so I think for me going ahead and at least accepting that mindset that it's not every day and every week going to look the same. And the, we, tend to coach female photographers that tends that they tend to gravitate towards our coaching program most. And it's one of the major questions I have is Alicia, how do you do it with three kids? How is it even feasible? And so, well, first of all, you have to, you have to look at your expectations and where you're being disappointed. And are those expectations realistic? You know, maybe if you're working a nine to five, you could keep that balance every single week. But even my friends who work a nine to five and Nathan, you probably experienced this too. That balance is never consistent for everyone. Right. So we have to check in with that. We have to be, we have to check in. And just like I schedule uh, an engagement session, I schedule a preview party to plan an album. I'm going to schedule in time for me to journal, to read, to take Evie Beth. I have one little girl to go have nails done. You know, like these are things that I put on my calendar And the same priority that I'm going to give to my client's work, I'm going to give to my family. Really, it should be more, right? And I think we get in such a zone, especially when you're in that building phase of your business of, well, no, I just, I I have to do more. I have to do more. I have to book more. And like you said, all that's going to do is lead to burnout. So it's being very intentional with your time, remembering that time is your main commodity and uh, protecting it, creating these boundaries that we're going to talk about. And for me, scheduling is just a really big thing, making sure that, you know, when I look at my week, I have scheduled in personal time and I have scheduled in family time. And if that's not there, you know, there are some weeks right now, I'm sure a lot of people in the audience are experiencing this with everything having been shut down. All of our work was pushed to now. So I'm usually very intentional with spreading things out where, you know, one to two weddings a month compared to every weekend right now, because all of our sweet couples who had to postpone from early 2020 due to the pandemic, you know, they're getting in while they can. So right now the balance is off there. There's not a lot of harmony. I'll be honest with you, (laughs) but I know I don't have anything booked in December and it's staying that way. I Hmm. am prioritizing that calendar and I am protecting it fiercely because I will come out of this frenzy and I'll have a month of rest and relaxation and family time to just re, you know, redigest everything and uh, get re-energized. Lovely. Tell me about delegation because I, I'm I'm a huge believer in the idea. Naturally, I own an editing company as well. I mean, that's yeah. a big part of, of delegation, especially as photographers, is is ideally having the the ability to be able to delegate some element of the editing process because it's so time consuming. But there's so many different elements of our photography businesses that we can delegate. Is this something that you experimented with at all? 
Oh, sure. Yeah. So again, uh, I feel like we're at a benefit here at year 11. We've had trials and eras with what has worked and what hasn't and growing a team and scaling and, you know, who and what to look for with that. But currently with me, um, we do have an associate program and Anna is our lead associate. She's truly become just, I mean, she's my right-hand girl. Um, The funny thing is Patrick, uh, my husband is a very opposite brain from me, which is great, right? That's really what we need. Sure. Uh, and, and Anna's kind of a female Patrick, like her thought process. They, they She'll say, I'll ask for both of their opinion. And I get literally the same thing from both of them. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, they're my, you know what I mean? They're my, they're my team. They're my, like uh, my, my boardroom I go to, but um, so Anna, Anna does uh, lead for us. So we have the ability to book more clients, but not spend more Saturdays shooting. Um, and that's a hard thing to find the right person. If you're looking to build an associate team, you need to be mindful of your brand positioning. Make sure you have someone, you know, that that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast. right? Sure. And so, um, but Anna has been my right-hand girl when it comes to that. She's also our managing director in the office. She is more analytical. I tend to be more emotional and client-based. She calls me the creative director. And so, uh, you know, it sounds so official, but really that's kind of how we work. And then we have another, another girl in our office, Kelsey, and Kelsey handles more of our admin duties. She also second shoots for Anna. I really like having someone who's both a photographer and uh, is capable of doing office work because if we have, you know, uh, a charity event or a small branding shoot that we're going to do to network further with the dress shop down the down the road, I can in good faith send over either one of them and again, outsource the ability, um, you know, that opportunity to still network, get that in, but not sacrifice my time that I'm trying so hard to, to, you know, keep those boundaries with. Anna does a lot of our editing, Nathan, but we definitely get backed up and we should probably talk about that uh, (laughs) with coming into you guys. Uh, And so I I do love editing. Um, It's actually, I know that's kind of a weird thing, but I, from a storytelling standpoint, love going through and when I have the time to really digest a wedding and to edit it, I, I get to relive it. And I find myself getting so much joy from that. So just in general for outsourcing, I think that that's where I would stop and say, what doesn't, this sounds, what is the book, the throw everything out, the uh, Marie, Marie Kondo that doesn't, yeah, if it doesn't bring you joy, right? Sure, so yeah. I'm not recommending you throw your laptop in the garbage can, but what I am recommending is you outsource those things that don't bring you joy. And what you're going to find is, you're going to have more time to do the things that do bring you joy and ultimately bring you profits. So it's, I think it's a mental block for a lot of photographers and creatives to uh, get over that, you know, spending more will actually allow them to have more time and make more money. At the end of the day. Yeah. And you're right. It is something that can be tough to overcome, but that just requires looking at the numbers um, in yeah. numbers, not just the the money, but also the time to your point that's being spent doing that particular thing and the amount of time that could be had if, if that activity wasn't yours doing things right. that you enjoy personally, or even doing things that will actually grow the business because you know, I, it's not uncommon by any means for photographers to enjoy editing. I enjoy editing to a point, yeah. Um, yeah. but the, the question at the end of the day, if we're going to be really great business owners is does that actually enable me to have the most profit a while simultaneously allowing me to still have a life on a personal level. And I I don't know that photographers are all answering that question, honestly. And it's not just about editing. There are other elements of our business that can consume quite a bit of time as well. 
is there a way that we can give those things up to somebody else in-house, uh, third-party company, whatever it might be, so that, to your point, we can maximize our time, have a life, and also have a really profitable business. And, and it can be done. Uh, the question is, is the willingness there? And exactly. we'll, we'll kind of leave yeah. that hanging for now and, and, and let everybody <laughs> Another listen. Another podcast. Can, yeah. <laughs> potentially, yeah. We've um, already come up with three other podcast topics during <laughs> our first few minutes here, which is great. But but no, for sure. I think that that's um, your spot on there. And, uh, you know, as a mom, I'll touch on this just real quick. Sure. You know, it's not just the business. It's outsourcing things in my home and not having guilt about that because I know I can be a better parent, a better wife, a better business owner by having someone come in and clean, by having, you know, childcare help. Uh, and not everyone's in that same position. And I completely honor that and respect that because we haven't always been in that position to do that either. But I, I, I'm all about getting scrappy. And it's what we talk about with, uh, you know, our, our coaching clients, like, how how to find a way when it doesn't look like there is a way. And one of my early tricks, if you will, was our, our gym, right? For $140 a month, I could have three hours of childcare a day. So I would work out 30 minutes and spend the other two and a half hours in the cafe hmm. editing yep. and working while my kids had the time of their life yep. on this like, you know, amazing jungle gym thing and going and, you know, do an art class. And so, you know, there are resources. It doesn't always have to be about digging into what may already, especially in 2020, uh, be shallow pockets. There are ways to get creative and get more of your time back so you can produce more and be more efficient in that with your business. Well, and let me just add to that because I'm really glad that you brought this up. Most people would hear $140 a month for a gym membership and what they I, what they miss and what yeah. you just said is, oh, and you got two and a half hours of work done because your kids exactly. are being taken care of. And I worked out for 30 minutes. So I was like taking care of myself. There's some personal time in there. Like, Huge you know, I'm checking value. all the boxes. So yes. that's 15 hours a week. Okay, let's look at that. 60 hours a month for $140. I'm going to tell you, you're not going to find the cat. My my cat would not watch my kids for $140 a month for 60 hours. Like, you know what I mean? And so you have to look at things like that. Um, Finding other moms who are in the same position that have, you know, these flexible jobs, whether they're a creative or, you know, an entrepreneur in some way and saying, hey, you know what? I'll take on the kids Tuesdays and Thursdays if you'll do Monday and Wednesday. Let's trade up. There are so many creative ways to do that and to outsource in a way that's more of a bartering style, if you will, Hmm. um, as you're growing and scaling and to avoid some of those um, some of those growing pains, right? Yeah, wow. I, I love it. I think that was a beautiful example and just a great reminder, certainly for me as well, but for everybody listening in, think about think about your time, think about your money. And, and you know one of the ways that we can do this on a very practical level, and we'll keep going, is for everybody listening in, take take some time one day, take a half hour, however long it might take an hour, and, and literally make a list of every single thing that you do in your day. Yes, um, yes, yes, and yes, then yes. simultaneously, if you're not already doing so, take advantage of what is a free tool like Mint. If you go to mintmint.com and plug in, connect your bank accounts, your credit cards to that system and let the transactions start to, to, to kind of build up or flow into that system and look at how you're spending your money. And there, and you can do this with both your business and personal accounts and, and then begin to, to make a plan, be intentional with how you're spending your time and how you're spending your money, because there are likely ways that you can shift both the way that you're spending time and the way that you're, sh- you're spending money in such a way that not only could you increase profits on the business side, but you could have more time 
um, and ultimately take better care of yourself on the personal side, certainly take better care of the relationships in your life. Uh, but it takes it takes awareness to begin with in order to be able to make say, those decisions. Yeah. The, that awareness, that's where it starts. And um, I think as, you know, as a creative myself, I've naturally avoided numbers over the years. They scare me. Yeah. Um, but it's it's stepping in. It's, it's doing it afraid, right? Like getting in there, even if it sure. seems intimidating. Uh, and, you know, you can't you cannot lean into that mindset. Well, I'm a photographer. I'm an artist. I just don't do numbers. Well, I just that's not my thing. It may not be your thing, but you own a business. So you better let it start being a thing. Yeah. Right. And so, um, you know, it, it's it's that self-talk of awareness that, you know, we we have to get in there and own it and take responsibility of our business fully. And like you said, you know, if I sit down and look at how many hours that I take editing, even if I'm enjoying it, right? Okay, what I charge hourly, what I could be making hourly by coaching, right? Doing a power hour of mentoring or, you know, potentially offering any other kind of photography branding session during that time period. It's absurd that I would sit there for those four or five hours and edit instead. So the awareness is a great point, Nathan. And I do think that, um, you know, it's something that we're not always ready to do to sit down and get honest with our business. But those are the businesses. And I say this lovingly, those are the businesses that will not sustain. If Mm. you're not ready to get honest with what your business looks like behind the pretty, it's not going to make it. Beautifully summed up. Talk to me about one of the most impactful business or self-help books that you've read or listened to in the last few years. Yeah. So I'm a huge reader. I'm like a huge nerd. Um, I actually taught, like I said, middle school English. And so I went from reading Harry Potter and the Twilight series while I was teaching to be a good teacher, right? <laughs> uh, to As I started being an entrepreneur, it was like very different. Um, yeah. But th- the most impactful thing for us, and we actually gift this to all of our, our coaching clients is Seth Godin's This Is Marketing. Okay. And that's where like we were already doing what I, you know, what is called client-based marketing. And that's, again, a whole nother topic for another podcast. I won't get into it too much, but that really helped us refine the process and understand the um, the ins and outs of client-based marketing and how to do that better. So everything Seth Godin is like, he's an amazing marketer, but he's focused on client experience, which for me is the epitome of what we're, you know, what we're about. And then I would say I actually was just diagnosed three months ago with ADHD. And uh, it's, it's funny. I say it's funny, but I had so many people in my life say, Alicia, I thought you knew, like, you know, they've known me for my whole life. They're like, I thought you already knew you had ADHD. Like everyone else around me knew, but me. And I'm like, well, you know, you guys could have said, hey, maybe you should like talk to your doctor about this. That could have been awesome. Um, but it finally, it was a, a huge puzzle piece. So right now I'm digging into a lot of books and understanding more about how my brain works. And it's really like reading a book about yourself that wow, like this, this is me. Like, this is my life. Like, how did I not know this? Right. Sure. Or knowing it, but not understanding what to call it. So one of those books right now, and I've read it several times in the past, but now with a new lens is, um, the paradox of choice while less is more. It's an amazing book. Oh my gosh. I love it. Our whole pricing system is based on that. Uh, I think, especially if you're looking to level up to the luxury market, it is a great book for you to read and understand as consumer. If like me, you have a lovely ADHD brain that thinks a little bit differently. And if you don't, if you're just an overthinker and you have trouble making decisions, that book helped me on a very personal and business level. So those are two that if I could just spread them to everyone in our industry, I would. 
Yeah, Barry Schwartz wrote that second book, and and um, I read it a number of years ago, and my goodness, it makes such a huge difference. And, and to your point, it's not just for somebody who might feel like they struggle with or have been diagnosed with ADHD. It's I, I think that, I mean, just again, having spent close to two decades now in the photography industry and the number of conversations that I've had and certainly that I've observed on social media and online, I think a lot of photographers struggle with choice, making choices. And Absolutely. that book can make a big, big difference in how you look at the the process of making choices. Um, I know it was a big struggle for, for me and, and um, definitely a, a great opportunity to learn about how I could shift those struggles and, and going to move in a, in a more positive, more proactive direction. So we'll link to that. We'll link to Seth Godin's book as well in the show notes for everybody listening. And if you go to bookapodcast.com, you can see the links to today's resources in the show notes there. Make sure you take advantage. I want to go ahead and transition now into um, kind of our big topic for today. And I want to do so by highlighting a a quote from a book that I read some time ago. Uh, And the book is called Codependent No More. Which is also on my list, which we've already talked about this. I didn't want to name that. I wanted to be fresh with a new book to tell the, you know what I mean? But yeah, go, I can't wait to hear what's, what quote in this resonates. Yeah. So, and this book's by Melody Beattie, but um, Melody says, I'm going to read a couple of, these are a couple of uh, highlights from when I read the book. Uh, She says, when we react, we forfeit our personal God-given power to think, feel, and behave in our best interests. We allow others to determine when we will be happy when we will be peaceful, when will we be upset, and what we will say, do, think, and feel. We forfeit our right to feel peaceful at the whim of our environments. We are like a wisp of paper in a thunderstorm blown about by every wind. And then she goes on to say, we don't have to react. We have options. That is the joy of recovery from codependency. And each time we exercise our right to choose how we want to act, think, feel, and behave, we feel better and stronger. And um, first of all, this this notion of codependency, especially as it's described here in these quotes, uh, is certainly something that I've struggled with and I'm actively working through, even at the moment. Um, I also know, again, from from observing endless conversation online and having talked to and or listened to photographers over the years, that this is a a big struggle in our photography industry as well. So I, you know, as much as this is a psychological topic, and neither one of us are psychologists, I felt like it was a good topic for us to dig into. Absolutely. And and maybe yeah. we can start just with your how you define the notion of codependency for anybody listening in who may not be familiar with the idea. Absolutely. Well, that's that's a wonderful quote. I, I love that. That was a great excerpt to choose. And you know, ultimately, it's exactly what that quote is saying. It's letting others, you know, shape your own thoughts, your world, uh, and instead of you having the power to do it. So constantly seeking, you know, trying to to have favor with everyone, keep the peace, be pleasing at the expense of your own identity hmm. and your own needs and your own desires. And, you know, that was one earlier, you know, just touching on that. We are very service oriented, very relational in the way we approach our clients. But what I've had to work on, and I'm still just like you working on, is checking myself and checking, am I doing this because it serves our business well? This is what I want to do. This is the desire of our brand positioning. Or is it simply to find favor, to not have to do any kind of uncomfortable conversation or have any kind of confrontation? And in a business, sometimes, guys, we have to, you know, and so it's losing yourself at the benefit of others' happiness and losing the opportunity to speak up 
whenever you need something in a relationship or in a business or in a business transaction and and instead trading that in for the momentary the momentary pleasure and just hype there of someone giving you a simple smile and saying thanks, even if it meant you traded in four more hours to re-edit a whole session, even if it meant you traded in on a Saturday, you said you were not going to work. In that moment, our codependency says, oh, I need you to be happy. I need you to think of me as pleasing. I need for you to find favor. I need to find favor with you. And we're willing to, in a lot of ways, sabotage our own wants and desires in those moments. Well, I, I think going back to that quote earlier, I mean, what you're describing there is summed up with one word, which is to react, right? We, yeah. our, our existence, our, our so-called identity, and that's a whole topic in and of itself for yet another podcast as well, I think. But <laughs> I think in our culture these days, both in our industry and just our culture at large, we, we tend to get too caught up in this notion of our identity. But that aside, um, there is a tendency that we have, and again, I'm, I've been highly guilty of this notion and, and ultimately suffered as a result of it. We have a tendency of reacting to what other people are saying, doing, feeling, etc., and letting that determine how we feel versus choosing to create the life, choosing to create the business model that we want to, certainly listening to feedback, but oh, yeah. ultimately being proactive in the decision to, to create that life and business that we feel is best. Um, and, and, and doing so with confidence. And, you know, I think that's where a lot of this, um, my next question is, is where does this come from? And I know that yeah. there are multiple answers. It's not a simple black and white answer, but at least from personal experience, I think a lot of this comes from, um, our past and yeah. number one, either not being taught what it means to, to effectively make choices for ourselves and to do so with confidence, how to do so with confidence, but then maybe secondly, or along with that, um, also having our choices constantly questioned. And so then we're struggling with, well, I, I know that, you know, my, my way isn't the way to do yeah. it. So maybe somebody else's is better. And then we ended up in this place where we, we're, we're not confident enough to make a choice to, to move beyond that. What's your experience been with codependency and where do you feel like it's come from for you? Yeah. So this is, I'm always super transparent. And that's kind of one of the reasons with the starting this podcast of the imperfectly polished. That's the idea, right? Is Your that, podcast. You know, yeah. Yeah. We're going yeah, to yeah. that in the show but <laughs> Just the idea of it. And so I share a lot more of uh, my background, just, you know, growing up and, you know, essentially for a lot of us, the, the codependency um, it, it develops because of like an early attachment style with our main caregiver, whether that was a parent, you know, grandparent, someone who had uh, authority over you and that balance. And I've learned this through therapy and through, you know, on my own terms, learning more about this, you know, we're talking about now, Hey, we're working through this, you know, Nathan, you're saying I'm working on this now and I am too. And what I've realized is that this is, it's just like an exercise for me. You know, uh, maybe you have, you have weaker calf muscles. I don't know. You probably have great calf muscles, um, but let's just say that that is your physical thing you work on in the gym, right? Sure, sure. For me, I know because this was my foundation. This is how I learned how relationships worked. This is always going to be a foundational concern for me that I have to be mindful of and be aware of, if that makes sense. So if you grew up in an environment where, you know, you for me personally, I, I learned to be pleasing. I learned how to be, you know, to, for the affirmation. I, both of my parents were addicts. It was a very um, tumultuous environment. So going to school for me was my refuge. 
and learning to do what was necessary and praise God, it was the positive things, not the negative things for attention. Um, I just had a great friend group and great influences from my teachers, but I learned how to be pleasing and to seek that affirmation almost as a survival mechanism. And throughout the years, that was what helped me literally escape the generational trauma that had, you know, pulled me into the world. And that's great and terrific. I mean, I think it was necessary, but at that point, you know, at some point going through college and starting a business, you have to start looking at the the way that these things have affected you. And for me, especially, you know, it, it showed up that, okay, you know, you're so sweet. You're such a good servant. You're such a helper. And I do, I love serving and I love helping those around me. And I will be the first person to show up with a casserole. That's, I mean, here in the South, if you don't come <laughs> I was with say, a casserole. You live in Alabama. <laughs> casserole is you, definitely yes, something you do in Alabama. Casserole is a love language. That's that's actually <laughs> Gary Chapman didn't put it in the book, but casserole is the sixth love language. So, okay. um, but you know, if if that to me, I love taking care of people genuinely. But the thing, Nathan, that has made this background different from how I react now, and again, we keep going back to that word react, is I'm choosing to do it because I want to show someone love. I want them to feel special. I want them to feel treasured, not because I am looking for affirmation or worth. I know my worth. I have affirmed myself. I do it every day. I have relationships that affirm me, but that's not where my identity lies. I have had to redefine that on my own terms within myself, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's it, that story is going to vary from person to person. I think there are going to be yeah. some similarities and then some nuance in, in that from person to person. And so everybody listening in, you may be able to relate to, to one idea or two or three or four of the ideas that Alicia just mentioned. Um, and man, I, you know, it might even be kind of interesting at some point to, to actually have a psychologist on Alicia and maybe the three of us all dig into this topic even further, because I I I think it's super relevant to, um, to our industry and, and just, I think our culture in general right now, but for everybody listening, and by the way, I just want to mention very quickly, I know you're probably hearing a few glitches in the audio. There's, there's been a bit of a connection issue where we've tried to address that, but, uh, just a heads up, we're aware of it, and we'll try to make sure to minimize those um, now and in the edit in post-production. But I do want to keep going, Alicia, and, and get into codependency as it relates to our clients. How does this show up in that relationship with our clients? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do want to say just a quick, quick follow-up there because I know um, a large amount of your audience are females. And we just said Alabama casseroles. I just feel the obligation to mention this. Um, I do feel, and I have looked at several studies on this, that being a female from the Southeast, that codependent nature Mm. is more ingrained. Mm. It's more taught to women in general, but especially regionally. Um, And that's, I'm only saying that to help our listeners be more aware uh, that, you know, if you were brought up in a home, as a female where you were the, you know, your mother was the one who made all the meals and she, great, terrific. Also, I have so much respect for people who are homemakers. Like, that's great. If you're choosing to do it compared to if you're doing it out of obligation, right? Or out of reaction. So I just wanted to mention that real quick. So if you're in the service industry, you probably enjoy serving. If not, that could be the first red flag. You're not in the right industry. But seriously, we're we're all, uh, you know, whatever we're doing in regards to weddings or children photography, you're serving people, you're working with people. And it's very heavily tied to the customer experience, right? Like we've talked about, we want it to be a solid experience for them. But 
too many times, and this is what I've personally seen in my business and with myself, that codependent nature can creep in and really overstep the boundaries we've put in place from contracts to, um, you know, our own time and the balance we want in our life because we can be a martyr at times, right? Like we want to please the client so badly that we won't enforce the contracts. We'll bend the rules. We'll add that on. Sure. We won't charge that. We'll negotiate. Um, And really what you're doing is sabotaging yourself. You're sabotaging your business model. And by not having clear principles and clear boundaries in place with your client, you're really coming off as less of a professional. So where we think a lot of times we're doing really awesome by over-serving, it's truly, it's truly the thing that's going to let your client know that, okay, this person's they don't really have a, a strong business model. This isn't really mm. something that, you know, they're not really professional. And then that, just like we've talked about over time, personally, you know, you get that momentary, I, I, I like to think of it as like a, like a dopamine hit, right? When someone is pleased with you, if you say, sure, I'll um, take $2,000 off the wedding collection, if that's your budget. Um, okay. Yeah. Because in that moment, that reaction, you're really, if you're working from a place of codependency, you just want them to find you pleasing. You're finding your worth in their response. And over years of running a business like that, you're going to grow into someone who's bitter. You're going to burn out. You're probably going to hit bankruptcy at some point if you keep giving everything away. And more than anything, you're going to lose yourself because you're going to constantly be coming from a place of reaction rather than a core awareness of what you want and how you want to run your business. So I guess conversely, what are really specific. And let's go with, I know you mentioned to me ahead of time, you have three ways here that, that we can share yeah. with photographers that they can serve their clients while maintaining those healthy boundaries that we're alluding to. What are those three ways? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, first and foremost, I want the audience to be aware codependency isn't a diagnosis. Okay. Like I've talked about ADHD, it's a learned behavior. So that's just important to mention because with anything, we have to first start unlearning the behavior before we can just throw in some fun little tips and tricks, right? Um, So you need to first acknowledge that things are out of balance and where it's out of balance and where we can go to fix that um, and start with that mindset. And I, I know, I feel like mindset is such a, such a hot word, right? What's the, it's like a, but it's, it's so true. Everything in our business has to start internally and it has to start with our own mindset. So first and foremost, you just have to be honest with yourself and be able, like you said, Nathan, instead of working on that immediate reaction, it's being able to sit and look at everything from a very factual standpoint. Don't react from emotion. Don't react from need of affirmation. Um, There's actually another term that I've learned through therapy called DBT. It's dialectical behavioral therapy, and you can, there's several books on that. And it works a lot with codependency because it teaches you how to not react in the immediate and instead, in this, in this way, look at the facts, decide based on the facts, if there is an issue, what the issue is, what the best plan of action is, and then make sure that that goes in line with what your priorities are. It sounds really simple and it truly is. Um, and so for me, that's that's the first step with anyone is you're, you have to be able to unlearn this behavior, know it's there and work on unlearning it. Number two, I think it's communication. 
We have to communicate from day one with our clients, um, making sure from a contractual standpoint, you're very clear on what's included, what's not included, what extra fees could be. You know, if you have a client who says, especially right now with all the rescheduling, right? We're like, okay, we're getting married in five months from now. And now it's going to be in Alaska. Well, you're in Alabama um, and there's nothing in your contract about travel fees. And the client's like, wait, you won't just come to Alaska? I mean, it's pretty. Well, (laughs) you you need to make sure, right, that these things are, are placed in and they're communicated well, because a lot of times from someone who experiences dependency like myself, if I have been clear and factual then I don't have that dread and overwhelming feeling of having to say, oh, by the way, that actually cost more because I've already communicated it before it was a problem. Again, right, being aware and anticipating these kinds of things. Clear communications, number two, make sure you've got that, you know, everything out there, when you're available, what your office hours are, deadlines, penalties, put everything in writing, have great templates in place, you know, work with professionals on this. This is something to outsource. If you don't have these things, if you need help with them, that is a huge, huge thing to get in place to make sure your clients know what the boundaries are, right? It's just understanding and then being understood, like making sure you understand and making sure they understand what the priorities are in the business, what's included. For sure. And I would say, so a, a, another another way uh, that we can serve while maintaining our own boundaries and protecting ourselves um, is, again, before deciding to serve, before deciding to react in a way, ask yourself, is this what I want for my business? Okay. If you serve out of that codependent obligation, you're just getting a quick fix for actually a deeper issue. Ooh, yeah. Again, when we're codependent, we're looking for affirmation. We're looking to keep the peace. We're looking to be pleasing. So we get that hit of dopamine with someone whenever they ask us to overstep what we've already said we won't do, like being available on a Sunday for a shoot or having a phone call at 10 o'clock at night. Whatever this looks like for your business, we all run our businesses differently, right? But you have to be able to say no and stick to it. And I practice this with myself, Nathan. I'll say that too. That's one thing I've learned. And this may be helpful for you as well, since you mentioned also working through codependency. There are times, especially having ADHD, where I'm like, oh, let's go, let's go to the store. Let's go do this. In my mind, I'm thinking. And I'm like, instead over here working on, you know, my my launch page, things like that. And I say, no, this does not align with what we have planned for today. This is not so. Practice telling yourself no, rather than always looking for that next fun, fuzzy feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Let things not be fun. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That's a great way to put it because I, I, I mean, and certainly I've been guilty of this as well. We're like, we, I think we're maybe more subconsciously than consciously, but a bit obsessed in our culture with things just kind of working out and, and feeling good all the time. And that's exactly. just not reality. You know, um, the, yeah. the things that people say that they're struggling with, I, I see online right now. Uh, I mean, frankly, are quite laughable at times when you when you actually look at the big picture and the things that that those in third world countries, for example, are dealing with. When you put it in perspective, these things that we're making such a big deal about, I think, are at times laughable. And I know that may feel blunt and sound blunt, but if we're if to your point, your earlier point, Alicia, we're to actually acknowledge reality, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, um, right. I think it's important to maintain a certain level of perspective 
And, you know, that that whole kind of cliche saying hashtag first world problems. I mean, I, I'll right. still say it occasionally with my kids too, just to kind of keep things in perspective or to even for myself, keep my mind in the right place. Um, because the last thing that I want to do is become that person who is making way too big of a deal about something that's not actually that big of a deal in the scheme of things. Um, just to kind of review the, the points that you just made, though, th- these are good. Number one, um, in, in order to maintain these these boundaries in our relationships with our clients, acknowledge the behavior and begin to address it internally um, mm-hmm. to proactively communicate those boundaries with our clients. And it does take a little bit of thought through the business model, what things we're willing to do and not do. And, and this kind of plays on that third idea. Is this what I want for my business? Um, right. we, we could almost put that as number two. And then the third being to communicate those boundaries proactively with our clients, whether through it's the website, the contracts or otherwise really important to, to do that. We're, I, I, we have so much still to cover though. I'm going to keep going because um, we don't just have these relationships with our clients where codependency can kind of rear its ugly head. Um, there are yeah. also relationships with photographers in our industry. And, and I mean, it seems in some ways like this topic has been addressed ad nauseum. And, and I feel like a lot of times the response to this that you see online or at workshops or otherwise is kind of a, it's a bandaid thing, you know, um, you're good enough and, and kind of a pat on the head and you go do this and you're good enough and you're worthy, but it's not, they're, they're not addressing the underlying issue. Part of which right. is this psychological uh, problem that we're describing or discussing right now, codependency. How does codependency manifest itself in our relationships with other photographers? Absolutely. Well, and that's, you know, you're right. It's, it's a deeper issue. And I think that was actually, you know, one thing that we just mentioned, like that deeper chronic issue where there's a Band-Aid just to like get some quick encouragement, just to get um, that, you know, quick affirmation. It's very different when you start internalizing uh, your own worth and and working from a place of, you know, you feel validated without having to have that. And when we talk about with other photographers, I think that's the biggest thing I've seen probably, you know, as a coach and someone who works with other creatives in that way, is that need for validation from someone who's maybe a few years ahead of them or they see as more successful. I want to remind everyone, you know, social media is awesome, but it is also misleading at times. And we've got this real versus the real, the R-E-E-L versus the (laughs) R-E-A-L. And, you know, a lot of times we'll, we'll put ourselves in these positions where we feel inferior to another creative. And, you know, we start doing this comparing game and we want to impress them. We want them to see us as worthy. And, um, you know, we may try to over offer to help. And, you know, we may come in and say like, oh, well, we'll, you know, we would love to do this for you or this for you, because in some way you see them as like, you know, a holy grail kind of figure. And I just, that's one way with other photographers. I think you have to remember you have a special gift. You have your own self-worth. You bring, you bring something amazing to the table, even if you don't know what it is yet. So rather than chasing after any photographer that you see as, you know, kind of this stardom figure, it's one thing to want to learn from others. It's another to pursue them in this sense of admiration and being willing to give anything needed to help their business, to help their relationships, to help don't sacrifice yourself at the altar of another photographer's goals, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. And I want to get to the specific recommendations because I know you have a number of them um, with regards to how to maintain those, those healthy boundaries again in the relationships with photographers specifically. But when we're talking about how this manifests itself, I mean, in in our day-to-day life in the photography industry online or in person, um, part of how it manifests itself then is, is photographers 
comparing themselves to other photographers, particularly on social media, and ultimately deciding they're not good enough because of what they're observing. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think that's uh, starting with that inferiority. Again, when we talk about codependency, it's it's all about looking inwards and at that awareness and first and foremost, working on that foundation, that mindset. And so when we start going down this road of I need others affirmation, I need to have the praise of others. I want the praise and recognition from my industry peers. Well, it's very different from saying I want to succeed and be part of a successful community within my industry. I want to be part of a community that I see and admire. It's very different from saying that compared to I don't have the worth to be there. I don't see my own worth. So instead, I'm just going to chase after this photographer, this coach, this entrepreneur, and uh, just offer my services or try to be the person that could at least be on their team and and uh, be worthy enough. You know, I see a lot of people and, and this is, um, you know, to be very transparent as someone who does offer education, I see a lot of people who overly invest in just blanketed education. And it's honestly because they just want the favor of the person selling the course. And it's literally, I've seen so many people spend thousands of dollars with the same coach, with the same course creator, not even because they need that certain content, not even, but because they want to be considered in their circle. They want to be considered a friend. Wow. And, you know, if that's, if that's where your friendship basis is coming from, you're not a friend, right? Yeah, it's not. That's that, not about. That's friendship. the codependent. Yeah, exactly. But that is a sign of codependency. Right. If you're chasing after, you know, a certain photographer, or someone that again you see as superior, and you're just continuously trying to get in their favor. I want you to ask yourself why. Why is it? Are you learning from them? Are they treating you in a way that's like, you know, are you being mentored well? Are you being loved? Or is it that you don't see your own self worth and you really think if I just keep investing with them, they can see, you know, they'll keep saying nice things to me and they'll, they'll see that, you know, I, I'm trying to get better. And that's where we have to stop and check ourselves. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that's interesting. I don't think I've ever heard it described that way before, at least in the context of photography, you know, education courses or conference or otherwise, but I I certainly wouldn't be surprised if that's going on. And And for anybody listening in who maybe automatically got defensive or kind of like rolling your <laughs> yeah. eyes at us. I, I think a lot of this kind of stuff happens in the subconscious. Uh, exactly. And, and if we're willing to take a step back and, and just develop a certain amount of self-awareness again, we might realize maybe it's not that extreme, but we may, might see some of these behavioral patterns that yeah. need to be addressed. I mean, you know, at a very grand level. And it, again, it's been talked about in the industry. I, I just think that we're only getting band-aids to address it. It's this idea that we're constantly comparing ourselves with other photographers and we feel bad when we don't match how we're perceiving that photographer. Um, but I, I want to get to then how to proactively maintain the healthy boundaries um, in the context of relationships with other photographers, because there's a ton of value in having those relationships. But absolutely, where, yeah. where do those lines need to be drawn? Um, I, I think you mentioned to me before we got started that you've got five different ways that photographers can actually maintain these boundaries. What are those five? Absolutely. So I think if we're talking about, Nathan, with other photographers maintaining these boundaries, how to implement those, correct? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So when we're when we're looking at this, I think it comes from a place of authenticity. Just again, like when we talk about with our clients, you have to first look inwards. And if you're wanting to connect with someone 
or um, be able to network with them. For me, I'm very honest with myself about, okay, is it just from a business standpoint? Is it from a friendship standpoint or one or the other? You need to understand what your own intentions are in pursuing that. And if you can stop and get honest, and again, like you said, some people may be like, this, this is ridiculous. No one does this. I've done it. People do it. Okay. If you can get honest with yourself and realize maybe you're pursuing this person or you're pursuing this relationship um, because you think it's going to provide a sense of worth and affirmation to your life, that's where the problems come in because that's not a true friendship. It's not even a true mentor-mentee relationship. Um, if you're wanting to learn more about marketing and you hire someone like Darcy Benincosa, who's amazing, then that's going to be that check there compared to, oh, well, I want to be Darcy's best friend and I want her to like me and see worth in me. If you can get real honest with yourself and look at these experiences and opportunities about investing in these courses, investing in these different things. And that's, I know we're talking still kind of like on this coaching heavy side, when we're talking about just other photographers in general, and this is another, another point on point two, if you will, um, moving past that, because I think we've kind of beat that up. Um, with, with point two, though, if you're wanting to maintain these healthy boundaries with other photographers, it's also being able to say, hey, here's what we're willing to do in our business. And here's what we're not willing to do in regards to giving away information um, and helping. I love helping. I'm a teacher at heart. I absolutely adore teaching, but that's worth money. It is worth an investment. And so early on, I would sit one, two, three hours in a coffee shop with a new photographer and do all I could. Well, I simply don't have the bandwidth and capacity to give my time away, not because I don't want to and not because I don't think it's a good idea to be able to do that. But I have to prioritize what I've said are my priorities, and that is keeping a work-life harmony. And so by choosing to do that without being paid, I'm literally taking money out of my children's mouth and time out of our relationship together here in this home. So I have to make those decisions. And that's a hard thing to get honest with yourself about. But, you know, in the codependent standpoint, and this is why, especially early on, I would do this more. Someone would come and say, well, I just don't have the money for the coaching, but, you know, I really need help. Okay, okay. Like, I'll help you because, you know, I want to be that nice person. I want to be able to, um, you know, to make you feel good and me feel good. And feeling good just doesn't pay the bills. So once you have someone who's invested in you, yes, over-serve, over-give, over-deliver, but you have to really, with other photographers, if you're offering education, you're going to have to get very, very honest about what that time is worth. And you may not even realize you're offering education. I think that's probably a good point, Nathan. A lot of people who get these calls and these texts and the, you know, Instagram messages, can I pick your brain? Can I sit down? Do you mind if I come over and ask a few questions? Can you show me how to use my camera? Um, If you're saying yes out of obligation or fear of them getting angry with you or just to keep the peace, those are big red flags that you are doing this from a codependent standpoint. And if you have people asking you to learn, that's something that you should be charging for. Okay. So we start by asking what are our, our intentions in the relationship? I thought that was really, really good. Then we yeah. need to clearly establish the boundaries regarding management of time at the end of the day. And, you know, you bring up an interesting point. Uh, and I think I've been guilty of this in the past. Are, are we giving of this time uh, because I mean, certainly we can we can discuss whether or not the photographer is invested in us in order for us to be sharing this information. But you know, we can we can 
spend that time, have those coffee meetings, do the Zoom meetings, and do that over and over and over and over again. And we are giving up significant, a significant amount of time in that process that uh, we may be then taking away from areas of our business that, that need work, uh, certainly relationships in our life personally, or maybe just a, a mental break that we occasionally exactly. need as well. Um, yeah. So we do need to consider how we're managing our time, how much of it we're just simply giving away um, versus potentially making a, a you know a business model out of that in some way. Um, it's not something that probably a lot of photographers would consider, but I know that I've been guilty in the past of of offering that help for the affirmation on the other side, whether that's you know knowing that they were to take my the information I was giving them and they were able to do something good from that. I, I think that is a good intention, but at the end yes. of the day, I also know that it's tied to how I feel about myself. And how much of my time did I give away for that reason, whether it was conscious or subconscious? So that's kind of an interesting point to consider. Um, so a couple of points there. Any other ideas, kind of big ideas that photographers should consider in this this effort to maintain healthy boundaries? Yeah. So one thing I want to talk about uh, with photographers and photographers with these boundaries is specifically working uh, in a team environment with other photographers. You know, if you have a team, if you if you have an associate photographer, if you have, you know, second shooters who come and work for you or, you know, whatever contractors that you have, um, some of the things that I've found with working with photographers and that uh, more of a authority position is how important it is to set these boundaries with photographers that work with me. Um, and that's something that was hard for me as, you know, this codependent wanting to please, wanting to be incredibly just helpful and sweet and pleasing. Um, it is really hard to have to stand in that role of, again, I think too many people look at it as playing the tough guy, but really what you're doing is protecting yourself, protecting your business. And ultimately you're helping your employee know where to go and what the realm of possibilities are in this role. So um, just a couple of things on that, that I wanted to touch on the boundaries with the employees, whether it's a contract employee, if you aren't establishing those up front, either with a job description or, you know, if it's a, if it's in office or even a VA, what that's expected it's definitely going to relate to poor long-term success. You know, can you use the images from this session? Can you take these and, po and post them on social media? How much are you being paid hourly? What does it look like if you have to travel? These, again, are things where we anticipate the pain points, the questions. And if we can clearly communicate what is offered and what isn't offered in these kind of uh, situations, we're going to forego, one, putting ourselves in a position where we have to react to someone asking for more or asking for things because it's already been clearly stated. And then two, we've got it communicated and we already have something to get back to and say, as a point of reference, well, no, this is what we agreed to and this is what was signed to. So I think the communication issue is also huge between photographer to photographer, whether you're second shooting for someone, you are having a second shooter come on, you need to communicate and you need to have that that reference in place to help prevent you getting in a situation where you have to agree to something because you feel obligated, Right. Yeah, clearly manage, I'm taking notes here as you're talking, clearly manage expectations through proactive communication. Very similar idea to what we were talking about in our relationship with clients earlier, correct? Yeah, I mean, honestly, Nathan, there's so much carryover. And when we think about it, though, you know, uh, working with people in our life, just general with friends compared to working with uh, anyone in the industry or on a wedding day, it's really about setting those uh, intentions within ourselves. 
and deciding what it is we want for our business and life, and then communicating those as clearly as possible and sticking to them, holding to your guns. Uh, you know, the with working with a team for us, I I love. I love my team. I've been so fortunate. Um, Anna and Kelsey are just stellar. We're actually, I just put out today, we, we are growing more second and third shooters as we continue to grow this associate program. And, you know, I take care of my people and I like that. I enjoy that. That doesn't come from a place of codependency with me. It comes from a place of truly enjoying getting to love on people and serve. But mm. I have to check myself every time I make that decision. Am mm. I giving a raise because I feel obligated? Mm. Am I offering this day off because, you know, I've, I've been asked and I feel the pressure and I want to make them like me? You know, in that sense, if you're looking to scale your team, if you're looking to continue to grow in this business, I think the codependency um, is one of the biggest, it can be such a, a toxic, you know, it, it can eat away so much. It's, it's a, a toxic opportunity. It takes away so many opportunities, right? And so you have to give these clear expectations. You have to be able to put your needs as a business over the feelings of your team members and stop excusing poor performance. I mean, I someone the other day said, hire, hire quickly and fire quickly. So, you know, give opportunities, like I am the first person who is definitely going to say, okay, on paper, this looks good. Let's, let's give it a go. Yeah. But I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to have someone on payroll sucking from our business who is not performing and someone who's codependent. That's really hard. Who is, who has worked through codependent issues because I would be the first person in the years past to say, oh, you're having a bad week. It's okay. Um, let's get some more training. Let's try harder. Let's just do, let's, you know what you're doing so good on these things, but let's just try a little bit more here. And so we talk, you know, this line is a, a very delicate line because it is. I haven't suddenly become like a, you know, a, a, a drill sergeant, but it's, I'm very honest with why I'm giving the opportunity and why I'm extending potentially another, another chance or, hmm. you know, I'm not doing it. So I get the affirmation. And so I have, I'm not doing it to avoid something that's uncomfortable. Business sometimes is uncomfortable guys. And we just have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. We're, we're running tight on time here, but I want to finish yeah. off with just one, one thought and kind of get your take on this too. When, when we talk about uh, this idea of comparing ourselves to photographers and getting stuck in that comparison game and ultimately feeling terrible because of it, one of the other so-called band-aids that we hear a lot in the industry right now is some version of, quote, you do you, right? And so yeah. we're back to the identity question again. And, and again, it is a loaded topic for a different day. But uh, one of the things we talk a lot about here on the podcast that I, that I think will help bring clarity when it comes to this so-called idea of doing us or you do you is being clear about what it is that we're trying to accomplish in the big picture, in the long run. Um, and that really on a very simple level, and I've, I've talked about this concept both at conferences and then here on the podcast as well, at least from my perspective, a big picture view is driven by four components, um, my values. And then mm -hmm. secondly, my strengths, being aware, and we talked about the significance of self-awareness. We do need to be honest about what we're good at, what we're not, um, and build a, a life and a business around those ideas. I, I don't, I, again, another conversation, but I, I think there is something to be said for continuing to work to improve, but then also acknowledging what we're best at and, and focusing on developing those strengths. But then thirdly, our financial goals, and then fourthly, our time goals. And we talked about both of those things earlier as well. If we have a clear idea of what we're trying to accomplish in those four elements, 
um, in our personal life. That will then allow us to clearly establish the business model that makes most sense in order to accomplish those goals. And then when we look at other people, we can filter out what is relevant and what is not relevant. Is there something here that I can learn or take from this person um, and what they're sharing that I might be able to apply because it fits my business model? Or this is nice, but it doesn't fit my business model and I'm going to move on. Being able to make those clear distinctions and as a result not get caught up in the comparison game, I think is largely enabled by having a much bigger picture view. Otherwise, you know, back to our original point, this, this notion of codependence is largely rooted in a reactive behavioral pattern. And we're simply going to react, oh, this looks good, or that feels good, or that sounds good, or that, that sounds really cool, I'm going to go do that and try this and that. And, and then we just get lost in this haphazard existence as a business owner, and we won't be as successful as we could be. Um, what are your thoughts about the significance of the kind of those, making sure that we clearly establish our overarching goals and letting that drive clarity um, in order to avoid getting stuck in the comparison game? I think it's huge. And I think it's something that, um, you know, for, for us anyways, I always think of it as like a, a physical, like a going to the doctor and doing my check because I, quarterly I sit down and I look at, you know, what we're doing, especially now that we have multiple avenues within our business, you know, with the podcast and the associate program. And, yeah. you know, I'm looking at what we're doing, what's working, what's not working, why we're doing what we are. And you those things are going to change, you know, right now, for instance, right? Like I said, Nathan, having uh, just recently been diagnosed with ADHD, I am on a, on a journey to learn more about it. And so I'm hiring an ADHD specific coach who works with entrepreneurs with ADHD. Um, it wouldn't serve me well right now to hire a coach that, you know, was about scaling your team, even though that's something I may want to do more of. I think whenever we're very present with checking in with ourselves and our business and not just like a once a year kind of thing, when we're making it a habit, you're going to make the right decisions and not just be brought into any new shiny offer that, yeah, it may be a good offer, but is it a great offer for the season you're in right now? And um, are you choosing it to please someone or because you feel obligated or because, you know, a coach has reached out to you and said, we think you should do this. You're a great fit. And you're like, gosh, I don't really have the money or it's not really what I want to do, but I don't want them to be mad at me. Those are, those are huge reasons not to invest in something, right? Like know your business, know your why, know what season you're in and look for the opportunities to continue building on that side. Absolutely. Yeah. And that sums it up beautifully. Will you, as we close now, just uh, remind our listeners where um, not only they can follow you online, social media, your website, but also just a, a brief little bit about um, the coaching that you offer as well. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a program called the Artisans Advantage, and the whole concept is building a life and a business worth leading. And we are getting ready to launch our next group session. It'll launch in January. And in addition to that, we'll have the Artisan Circle, which will be a little bit more uh, elevated for people who are already at a position where maybe they're looking at going into education or, you know, at this point, they're they're getting on up there with their revenue and they're wanting more one-to-one smaller group uh, focus. It's going to be a really cool, this is the first time we'll be offering yet. I'm really excited about that. So we'll have more about that. Um, actually, this upcoming week, there'll be uh, an opportunity for people to go in and put their email address, drop it down so they can get on the waiting list. Otherwise, I am at aliciacrossleyphotography.com. That's our main site. And I am on Instagram as Alicia Crossley Photography and also 
uh, imperfectly polished podcast. So we're um, on episode seven, I think, Nathan. So we're we're still a baby podcast, uh, but we we are getting get revved up, and I'm, I'm really proud of this new little baby that we recently birthed and uh, <laughs> would love for you, you guys and you listeners out there to, um, to jump in and listen. It's, it's really a, a hybrid of, you know, tips for running a business and also at the same time, navigating some of these things like codependency and, you know, balancing our work-life balance. If you're, you know, a parent and the different things that we all have to take into consideration in different ways, the hats that we have to wear, being messy and just still showing up and finding success despite the brokenness. All right. Well, we're going to put all of this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Cool. And for everybody listening in, again, make sure you take advantage of that resource that Haley puts together. Haley produces her show. Shout out to Haley. And she puts that resource together for each and every episode. Links to the resources we discussed, the talking points from the discussion, and uh, side note too, we were talking about books earlier. For those of you listening in, if you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H, bookshelf.com, you can also see a collection of the most popular books that have been recommended here on this show. Um, you can take advantage of that at bocabookshelf.com. Thanks again. Thank you for having me on. This was awesome. Uh, I enjoyed this so much. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at BocaPodcast.com. Make sure to visit our sponsors, PhotographersEdit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.